Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different Starting Over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Hello and welcome. Thank you for choosing this episode today. I'm always grateful and never take any of you for granted. And honestly, I'm so inspired personally by the progress that all of you are making on your healing and self-development journey. But I know what it's like to feel like you're not making progress and how difficult it can be to notice improvements, especially when they feel small. And that's why I wanted to dedicate a specific solo episode to this topic. So think of these next minutes as your moment to pause and reflect, your moment to take a step back and observe yourself from afar, and actually your chance to smile and praise yourself, something we often don't do enough of. It it makes me think of a cartoon meme I saw circulating around Instagram that resonated with so many people. In one picture was somebody cracking the tiniest of smiles saying, I did good, when actually they did something pretty bloody amazing. And then the next picture next to it was that same someone face planting the floor with a stream of heavy heavy criticism and all sorts of catastrophizing future productions for the slightest of errors made. And that is so many of us, right? You see, when it comes to our self-development and healing journey, so many of us feel like we are not making much progress because we focus on how far there still is to go, not how far we've come. So let me paint a metaphorical picture for you. Imagine you're taking a hike up a big mountain. You want to reach the peak for that sense of joyous accomplishment and to take in those spectacular views, right? But get this, you don't usually stop to soak it all in when you are a quarter of the way up or even half the way up. It's usually when the peak is in sight or you've surmounted it. And this is often the same with your self-development and healing. You ignore or diminish your progress because you focus on the strides you have still to make to be where you want to be. But the thing is, that exact thinking requires some adjustment. So it makes me think of this quote from author Brianna Wiest, and she says, When you romanticize the future more than the past, you move forward. But when you romanticize the present, you become free. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't make goals and you shouldn't envision a better future for yourself. But this is often really crucial to instill an uplifting sense of hope and give you some much needed motivational fuel to keep moving forward especially in the face of adversity but there is true freedom and peace in the present so we need to accept where we are at we need to learn to love the journey we need to release our attachment to future outcomes and remember there is a past version of you that is so proud of where you are now don't forget that So with all that in mind, let's turn to the tangible signs that your healing work is actually working. 
But before I do, I want to make an exciting little announcement. So I've been working hard behind the scenes on a one-to-one coaching program, which is designed to help you heal from past hurt, overcome your blockages and self-imposed limitations, and unlock your full potential. We'll be diving deeper into your healing journey, working together to improve self-awareness and your self-worth so you can create a life that you've been dreaming about. And I genuinely believe that you can learn so much through podcasts such as this one, books and so on. But I know where many of us get stuck is in how to actually apply that to our own situation, our own relationships, our own relationship with ourselves, our own life. So that's where coaching can really help you move forward. I'll be taking on no more than five clients as I'm really committed to providing the best possible service to you and also practicing what I preach, which if you followed me for some time now, you'll know that that is the exact opposite to this hustle and grind culture. I'm all about deep fulfillment, balance, inner peace and authentic joy. And if that's something that clicks with you, we may be a great fit. And I think that's a really important piece too, whether you're choosing me as your coach, whether you're choosing a therapist, relational fit is just so key. So if this sparked a, hmm, maybe, or maybe even a, yeah, totally, I want to be a part of this, I'd encourage you to sign up to my mailing list to be among the first to receive info on the program, which will be starting next year. So go over onto my website, www.startingoverwithshannon.com to pop your email into the list. And last word, I'm so excited to work with you on this and so grateful to be living out my sole purpose. And that's something I really want for all of you because it just sits differently when you do something that you love. But back to the signs that your healing work is actually working. I've got 11 of these. So number one, let's go. You have a greater understanding of what you need in moments when you're triggered. We all get triggered and that will continue to be a part of life. But you start to know what support actually helps you and how to serve yourself best. So you start to have a toolkit of resources that you can draw upon in those challenging moments, whether that's meditation or breath work or specific people that have a compassionate and non-judgmental manner. An example, you may recognize that you have a tendency to want to flee in moments of relational conflict. You can't handle it. You just want to get out of there ASAP. Maybe you do actually need some space, but instead of just fleeing the room when there's conflict, when it feels like too much, you instead start to say and feel that moment, make space and then go, okay, to your partner or whoever it is you're having a moment of difficulty with, I need to take a moment to calm back down, but I want you to know that this conversation is important to me. I want to continue it, but I just need to take a second to pause and regroup so I don't say anything that makes this situation worse. Another example, maybe you read or saw something online that triggered one of your past pain points. And instead of continuing to scroll on your phone or distract yourself with something else you realize okay I need to put my phone down and I need to do something to recenter myself take a walk take some deep conscious breaths do a grounding practice they're the little things that help you number two you allow yourself to feel your emotions rather than suppressing them 
No surprises here. Principally, we don't like feeling bad and we find ways to avoid that. And of course, there are a myriad ways in which we suppress our emotions rather than feeling them. Some of us dissociate from our bodies. That's literally when our awareness leaves our body and we have this general sense or feeling of numbness. Unfortunately, with that strategy, we don't feel much joy or lightness either. And that's often what makes people want to change. Others will suppress their emotions and feelings through alcohol, other substances, distractions such as staying busy, watching something, overworking. But learning to spend more time being with your emotions instead of suppressing them is a key piece in this healing journey and really key to your general emotional self-regulation moving forward in life too. So the sign of progress is you you start to recognize that allowing yourself to really feel something will allow it to pass through you much quicker and shift your energy into a more positive state more quickly too. Number three, you are more attuned to the cues your body gives you and you trust yourself more. So this is really the core of what I call embodied self-trust, something that many of us lack. I used to be one of them and quite honestly, it led me into a relationship with a narcissist. Now, I'm all about trusting my gut instinct and really listening to the cues my body gives me. Again, this is a key part to healing. And a concept that's often used in this self-development world is that that of self-abandonment. And that is when you reject, suppress, or ignore part of yourself. And it stems from often not valuing yourself, often not trusting yourself. And ignoring the cues that your body gives you is part of that, alongside behaviors such as people-pleasing, perfectionism, self-criticism, codependent relationships, and denying your own needs. So for example, maybe you have anxious tendencies and you're currently doing something, you're, you're too busy, you're shallow breathing, you feel a sense of mild anxiety, but instead of denying that, suppressing that, instead you do something to shift that in the early stages, rather than ignoring it, rather than doing getting to the point where you have a full-blown panic attack. So it's like cutting it shorter and listening to the little whispers of your body. Or perhaps you're somebody who has perfectionistic tendencies and you know that you can get emotionally overwhelmed. You need to stop and listen to your body's cues when you're starting to feel tired or overwhelmed or frustrated. When that's creeping in, you choose to pause in that moment. Or maybe you cease to stop pretending that you're not upset or hurting when you actually are. These are all key parts of becoming more attuned to your body's cues and building self-trust. Number four, you get curious rather than critical about your thoughts, behaviors, and actions. So many of us on this healing journey need to learn how to tame our inner critic. We quickly fall into those patterns of self-criticism, but a key to healing and more inner peace and contentment is to cultivate self-compassion. So when you start doing that more successfully, you start to realize that you become more curious about your behaviors rather than critical. Notice that I say more curious because I think not being critical entirely is 
an enormous challenge, but do not diminish small progress. So more curiosity. You pause and ask yourself, oh, why am I doing that? Or what is going on for me internally right now? Or what? why am I getting triggered by that situation? That's, that's weird. What's in that? What part of my past is causing this right now? I'll give you an example from myself. So as many of you know, follow me on Instagram and elsewhere. I'm currently on holiday in, in Costa Rica. It's been about two and a half, three weeks with my partner and my son full time. And I had a moment of tension with my partner, David, on holiday. We rarely have conflict, but I'll say this was a conflictual situation. He was not happy, rightly so, with my poor time management. I'm someone who's frequently late um, and it, and it, it got to that heated moment. And I know I know so many of you know what that is like, but I think old me, I would have maybe been more reactive, got more defensive in that moment. Like I felt attacked. So I wanted to say something back. I got caught up in the emotion in, that, in the moment of that happening. I would have, old me would have also got angry at myself afterwards and I would have had got stuck in self-criticism, self-blame. And I felt the difference in this moment of conflict. And it was really great to feel. It's like that sense of progress, you know? It's like, okay, I accept that I'm late. Point one, step one, accept it. I'm regularly late. I don't deny it. I therefore then make less excuses for it rather than having that attacking feeling. It was like, okay, yeah, no, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I understand that it's frustrating for you. I understand genuinely that you feel like I'm disrespecting you, disrespecting your time through my behaviors. And that's not something that I want to do because I love you. But I had that moment. We stayed in connection through the conflict. That's also really key. And then I got curious about the why. Why am I always late? It's true. I've always been late. Why do I do that? So that could have been, I, I surmise that a part of that was a mental association of being busy as being fun and exciting and planning and things being boring. And also an underlying fear of being bored while waiting. I never liked waiting, you know, for a bus. I, I can't just be with myself. I needed to do something to stay busy. There's so many of us do that. That's why when you get on public transport, you just see everyone on their phone or waiting for public transport because we don't know how to just be, right? So it's that curiosity that I'm really getting at here. Get curious about your behaviors rather than enter a downward negative spiral of self-criticism. Number five, you bring yourself back into presence more frequently, which makes you less reactive. So what I mean by this is that you start to have more moments of catching yourself doing something. So maybe you know that it triggers you, for example, when your partner is on your phone when they are supposed to be spending time with you. And that bothers you. And instead of immediately reacting with, what the hell? Why are you on your phone again? Don't don't you want to be with me? Don't you want to spend time with me? And you feel that tension. You, you can hear the change in my voice, right? You know when that comes up. You feel yourself getting flustered. You feel the energy go whoomp, straight up into your chest or your head. You've lost the groundedness. You've lost the balance and the connection to the deeper, more rooted part of you. But then you realize, okay, so the curiosity mindset and that ability to make space to pause 
means that you can go, oh, wow, I just noticed all of that energy rush up into my chest and that impulsive desire to just react and say something. But you recognize, wow, that old wound of being ignored or feeling unloved or unconsidered, that's resurfacing. It's uncomfortable right now and it makes me want to lash out. But just creating that space of pause, that bringing yourself back into present moment awareness, what that does is it widens your window of tolerance and it creates space internally for you to make a better choice. And this is key. This is the part about conscious versus unconscious behavior. And over time, that gets easier and easier. But what it does is it really frees you to make better choices for yourself. Number six, spending time alone feels more nourishing and helpful rather than scary and isolating. Did you expect this one? Gosh, looking back, I remember a time when I avoided being alone. And even when I was physically alone, I would do something so that I wasn't. I would go on my phone, I would call someone, I would distract myself with tasks, I'd do the laundry or the dishes or suddenly start cleaning the skirting boards or something. I could not be alone. And if I was truly alone, which of course happens to all of us, I would often feel down. And I think looking back, it all came to emotional avoidance and not really wanting to feel what was there, what was what was under the surface. But as you start, maybe you find yourself in this, guys. I, I mean, I, so, I know so, I've had so many conversations with people about this and I know it's a common one, but as you build self-trust and begin to hold space for your emotions, you'll realize that spending time alone isn't something to be mildly feared or avoided. It is a way to restore your energy and really to get in touch with your true self. That is the exact place where you access your higher self and hear life's whispers. Even the upcoming coaching program that I mentioned, that idea came to me in meditation. And I could, I was quiet enough that I could feel the energy shift in my body. And I had this big rush of energy exciting energy of joy and it came as a like oh this this is right this is the next right step and you'll hear me say this over and over in the podcast you have got to both from me and also from guests too but you've got to cultivate enough space and time in stillness in silence and by yourself to be able to hear life's whispers Maybe you've heard that saying, be still and know. It holds so true. Number seven, you are building habits and routines for your health and well-being. So you understand that motivation alone is limited and real change requires an identity change as well as habit change. So you start building habits such as meditation, breath work, exercising, dancing, journaling, walks in nature, you buy a book on self-development and inner healing and read a few pages every day before bedtime. 
You may have a morning routine where even if it's not fixed with an exact script of what you do, you just allow yourself to have you time where you intentionally do not check your phone, where you allow yourself to just be undistracted. And I want to stress here that this doesn't have to be the perfect morning routine for your wellness that you'll find on a YouTube video or somewhere else. It All of this exists on a spectrum, but the key is really that you are starting to recognize that prioritizing time for you is not selfish at all. That rest is one of the most productive things that you can do. And quite frankly, you're just making better choices than you were before. And the making of those better choices feels a bit less difficult than it used to. Number eight, you have less capacity to tolerate unfulfilling work or relationships and quitting becomes an option. Okay, disclaimer here or caveat. So many of you listening, well, maybe some of you, let's say, you might have a tendency of quitting as a form of avoidance. For you guys, I'm not really speaking to you here. You know who you are if you're like, this is all too much, I end the relationship or I can't be here anymore, I leave. No shade here because I know that, I've done it myself. I remember when I moved to Switzerland, we have, they all put their names on the letterboxes here. That was so not a thing we did in Australia, but in Switzerland, you'll have your, at least your surname on the letterbox outside your home. And we had just my partner's name to start with, Peru, right? So I said, okay, one day I've got to go and get one of these new metal engraved things to put on our letterbox with my name too, Shannon Jenkins. And I remember thinking, as I changed them over, I was like, but what if we break up? Maybe I should, maybe I should just keep his one here at the back in case I move out and, uh, you know, because that'd be a waste of money. I had to pay $40 for this thing, $40 for this metal bloody engraved name tag. What was that part of me? That was a part of me that had been burnt and hurt in relationships and that was struggling to trust. Trust that I could stay committed. Trust that somebody would be committed to me. I now look at that as a funny moment you know, that I had to have an exit strategy and that I, I, I actually still think that that other letter, the other name is at the back of the letterbox. Maybe it's going to be a, I don't know, a big win in my uh, healing journey to go and take that out and proudly throw it in the bin and be like, we're getting married and this is the thing and I'm committed. But anyway, quitters as avoiders, this is not really for you. But others who perhaps have a tendency to not quit, to stick at something because your parents told you to or society told you to or your employer says you're, if you just hold out a little bit longer, you're going to get a great promotion. You start to notice as you continue on your healing journey that you are more in tune with your deep desires and your inner knowing and you have less tolerance for dissatisfying work or unfulfilling relationships and instead of soldiering on enduring you trust that you don't actually have to stay anywhere that leaves you feeling less than that leaves you feeling unworthy or unfulfilled and you may recognize that you start to feel more aligned and empowered in your decisions versus overwhelmed and unsure. And a beautiful kind of consequence of that too is that it makes you care less about what others think of your decisions. And you often are 
less paralyzed by fear because you're driven more by joy and energetically speaking that is a much better place to be if you want to know more on that you should definitely check out my episode with joe hayne on manifestation because that's a really key piece to manifestation in general Number nine, you are more intentional about who you follow online, the media you consume, and who you spend your time with. Again, this is in the name of mental health and wellness, but you start challenging those generally accepted truisms like, I've got to watch or read the news every day to stay ahead of the game or stay up to date. You might actually pause and think, do I really? Or what is necessary, strictly necessary for me to do perform well at work and you make better choices then you may recognize that okay that news media outlet they are just spewing out all of this fear-based sensationalized stuff that makes my nervous system on alert and it's unpleasant you may think okay that thriller or that horror movie that made me feel really activated before bed and I didn't sleep that well that night so okay I'm going to ditch that addiction loop and make a better choice watch something a little bit lighter before I go to bed you may unfollow people online who espouse negativity complaint drama or criticism or someone who makes you feel unworthy And again, in person, so you might also start becoming more aware of how you feel as you spend time with other people. I'm not saying that you should go and cut people out of your life completely, but I think a key piece in the healing journey is that you start to really understand and value your time and your energy and know that they are precious resources. So you start to use them more carefully than you did in the past and with much more awareness and intentionality. Number 10, you have less tolerance for small talk because you don't know how to be fake. You are now learning what it's like to have fulfilling relationships and you feel less comfortable than you used to with those small conversations. You might feel more distinctly that barrier between you and other people and you don't like it anymore. You want to find nourishing relationships you want to engage with the community of like-minded people you choose and you value depth of relationships over breadth i heard one of these uh, quite alongside this from mel robbins who's wonderful she said maybe your social anxiety isn't actually social anxiety but it's just the fact that you can't do small talk and you don't know how to be fake i so resonated with that And last but not least, you start to trust that there is joy on the other side of pain. You start to believe that you can truly change, even if it requires a lot of courage, effort and support from others. You know that a past trauma isn't a life sentence for poor emotional regulation or chronic dissatisfaction. You know that storms pass and you start to cultivate this growth rather than fixed mindset. And you have a hopeful and positive vision for your future. So in summary, there you have it. There are 11 signs that your healing work is actually working. I know there's a lot of information, so I'm just going to give you a quick summary of what they were again. So number one, you have a greater understanding of what you need in moments when you're triggered. Two, you allow yourself to feel your emotions rather than suppressing them. Three, You are more attuned to the cues your body gives you and you trust yourself more. Four, 
You get curious rather than critical about your thoughts, behaviors, and actions. Five, you bring yourself back into presence more frequently, which makes you less reactive. Six, spending time alone feels more nourishing and helpful rather than scary and isolating. Seven, you are building habits and routines for your health and well-being. Eight, you have less capacity to tolerate unfulfilling work or relationships and quitting becomes an option. Nine, you are more intentional about who you follow online, the media you consume and who you spend your time with. Ten, you have less tolerance for small talk because you don't know how to be fake. And number 11, you start to trust that there is joy on the other side of pain. Now, a final word for me, be patient with yourself. Do not rush the process and know that self-compassion is such a key ingredient. I know that some days you feel like you're stuck and maybe even regressing, but regressing, but that is an entirely normal part of the process and a normal part of human existence. Embrace that. Don't resist it. Now, if you know of anyone who would benefit from hearing this podcast, please do share it along with them. And if you don't already follow me over on Instagram, TikTok or YouTube, links are below in the show notes, along with a link to my website if any of you want to to sign up to my email list to find out more about my upcoming coaching program. Thank you for listening, everyone, and I hope you have a wonderful day.